You can now take KRBN Internet News Talk Radio with you on your mobile phone as we are making it easier to listen to the great hosts here on KRBN, including our very own West Lane County Commissioner, Jay Bozovich. It's free and available on Google Play. Just look for player.fm. That's player.fm and search for KRBN. Live from Lane County, Oregon, it's the Bose No Show with your host, West Lane County Commissioner, Jay Bozovich. And now, here's Jay. Afternoon, and it's a gorgeous day out here in the Pacific Northwest. Welcome to the Bose Nose Show. I'm your host, West Lane County Commissioner Jay Bozovich, and we're coming to you live from beautiful downtown Elmira, Oregon. And it's just been a crazy week, and that's why I'm wearing one of my favorite shirts here. And I'm going to tilt the camera down just a little bit so folks that are watching on Facebook Live can see that. Um, I just want to drink wine, pet my poodle, and take naps. Of uh, the naps, there we go. But there we go. We got the naps showing for you, uh, <laughs> which kind of sums up how this week feels to me. Uh, that you know, I'm, I'm ready just to have a glass of wine, a little lie down, and, and snuggle up with the poodles. Uh, <laughs> it's been a busy week, uh, but it is budget season. And for those of you that are old enough and remember the Warner Brothers Bugs Bunny cartoons, they probably remember that famous routine that was kind of a recurring thing that would come up between Daffy Duck and Bugs Bunny with Elmer Fudd caught in the middle over rabbit season, duck season, rabbit season, duck season, <laughs> duck season, duck season, shoot. <laughs> Whatever happened, it seemed like Daffy Duck got the, the raw end of the deal. <laughs> and Elmer Fudd was just getting used by, by bugs the whole time. But it is budget season. It's my ninth budget season as a county commissioner. Actually, my, uh, let's see, 13th budget season uh, with a public agency where I've been a um, board member making the budget decisions because I did four budgets with uh, – Lane Community College. Actually, I came in right during budget season in Lane Community College, so it might actually be my 14th budget season because um, I actually got appointed early because uh, I won the election and then the person I was replacing resigned and they appointed me early during budget. So um, it's been a lot of budgets. And I have to say, once again, Lane County, due to our fiscal um, restraint and control and our ever uh, increasing focus on having a structurally balanced budget that we've actually got a pretty good budget again this year. And we're not talking about making big cuts. We're not running to the legislature asking for $2 billion in new taxes. Um, we are, we are going to be okay this year. It's not, you know, easy we're not adding a bunch of services. We're not adding a bunch of people, but we're going to be okay. And one of the ways we did that was by really taking control of our benefit costs. And we did that by um, actively address, you know, paying on our PERS rates uh, and also setting aside a side account on PERS where we bonded some of that. And we did some additional work last year on doing that, where we set aside some uh, another side account for PERS, which has kept our PERS rate lower than most school district rates as far as percent of our payroll, which, you know, that, that's a big thing. Um, the other thing we've done is we've really concentrated on employee wellness and getting our health uh, insurance costs down. And what's pretty amazing is, and it's right in our budget message uh, by the, uh, the county administrator, who's our budget officer, that he'll be reading uh, tomorrow night to the budget committee, is that we have lower per employee claim costs today than we had five years ago. 
Name a business that can say that. For three budget years in a row, we have kept flat what we're budgeting for healthcare costs per employee. Pretty amazing. At the same time, we're winning awards for being one of the healthiest employers in the state and in the top 40 healthiest employers in the nation. Pretty incredible. So um, for at first uh, organization of our size. So we're really, um, you know, proud of that, that work we've done in trying to hold on the cost side so we wouldn't have to make service cuts. The pressure's mounting. Um, you know, we have to, you know, in this economy, we still have to compete for employees. So pressure is mounting on our employee costs or salary. Um, and even the PERS is still going to keep going up. In fact, one of the things I asked uh, budget staff for after seeing a graph that was put out by Sean Van Gordon, a city councilor in Springfield, showing their future PERS cost is whether we could get a similar graph for the county so we could understand the, uh, the cliff that we are slowly walking up to in Lane County and, under, and really under, appreciate um, that if we do have a little extra money today, it might not be a good idea to add programs and employees or try and reestablish programs and employees. It might be a smart idea to kind of put some of that in reserves for that cliff we're walking towards. Um, so it'll be a, an interesting discussion during budget season this year. Um, it's also a crazy season because it means I'll have an extra at least two, three-hour meetings twice a week over the next several weeks as we go through the budget committee process, including Thursday night uh, meeting, which will have our um, first budget hearing for the budget committee. will be at 7 o'clock tomorrow night in Harris Hall. For those of you that want to come and testify on the budget, I'm expecting Expecting to have some testimony around the association of ONC counties, which um, people might, might not be totally aware of because the ONC lands are, are quite often get referred to as BLM lands, which is not quite an accurate description. The Oregon and California Railroad lands that were put in trust by the federal government for the 18 counties they were inside of uh, in Oregon or a unique set of lands that don't occur anywhere else in the United States. They're managed by the Bureau of Land Management, but they are not owned by the Bureau of Land Management. Um, and there is a, an association that those 18 counties put together that represents the interest of the counties in those um, lands. And one of the things that those lands were specifically set aside for was to be harvested for timber and the proceeds of that harvest was to be shared with the counties to support their budgets because they couldn't um, have those lands go into private uh, ownership and benefit the county and property taxes. Uh, you know, the federal government made that decision. The Congress passed an act way back in 1937, uh, establishing the ONC lands. And in that act, they set uh, timber harvest as the primary function of those lands. Um, and the ONC Association has, you know, worked to maintain that, that revenue stream. And when the spotted owl kind of ended the harvest somewhat, they were instrumental in helping uh, Senator Wyden put together the timber replacement payments and ultimately the Secure Rural Schools Act, which was a more uh, longer term replacement of those payments. Uh, and is working with Senator Wyden and Senator Crapo's office now on a replacement to the Secure Rural Schools program, which ended uh, a few years ago and has been in fits and starts has been re-upped. Uh, so they, they're a significant player in that because they understand the legal entity that these lands are better than anyone else. And in fact, their attorney um, is really, you know, the only one that has, has a, a really strong understanding of that to the point where when the federal government chose to sequester the secure rural schools payments uh, to the ONC counties, he understood that that sequestration was illegal because they, they shouldn't have been included in the sequester. 
And his efforts to correct that actually freed up the sequestration, not only for the ONC lands, but for the rest of the lands covered under secure rural schools that ended up uh, benefiting Lane County by over $600,000. And, and it's our membership in that association that brought that $600,000 to Lane County, not to mention millions of dollars overall to the entire state of Oregon, um, was all because of Kevin's efforts in understanding the legal entity that is the ONC lands. And yes, they did object to the expansion of the uh, Cascade Siskiyou National Monument by the Obama administration because that took in land set aside under the 1937 ONC Act. And it's a question of is can the um, executive order under the Antiquities Act that uh, President Obama utilized override the 1937 Act of Congress? And it's just a, a constitutional question that needs to be resolved. And then the secondary to that is if it does override that, then should they have to set aside uh, the same number of acres in, and in public lands somewhere else to compensate the ONC counties for that diminishment in their um, in that that land base that was supposed to be held in trust. So, not an unreasonable thing. It's not necessarily saying we don't want the monument to be expanded. We just want to resolve this conflict between two different acts of Congress and then make sure that we are held harmless, you know, in, in the uh, expansion. It's not saying that we're anti-public lands, not saying we're anti the monument because the monument's there already. It's the expansion that took in ONC lands that the ONC Counties Association was not happy with. So I expect to hear a little bit about that, but it's kind of surprising that they want us to, to not pay our dues to that uh, association claiming it's, you know, um, not benefiting Lane County um, when, you know, I can look and see where we got $600,000 directly benefited from the expertise of that association, not to mention the millions and millions of dollars over the last 20 years in timber harvest replacement payments um, that, that um, we would not have seen probably without their assistance. So, uh, really important organization, the return on investments clear. And I, I, it'll be interesting to see what we hear because we are, we've been hearing a drumbeat leading up to this in, in public comments to the board. In fact, yesterday's meeting, public comments ran overtime. We actually had our 9.30 time certain delayed all the way to 10 o'clock, um, you know, kind of poor time management on part of the chair in some ways, but Mostly what we heard about was the ONC Counties Association. So it is budget season, which means I'm probably going to hear about ONC Counties Association, probably going to hear about things like, you know, assistance for commissioners, which I've, I've heard that um, some of our fellow commission, my fellow commissioners are interested in getting their own assistance that they uh, hire directly. Uh, the um, administrators um, put into his budget one full-time assistant to be shared by all the commissioners under under the county administration uh, office. Frankly, I'm not for either of those proposals. You know, like I said, there's a first cliff coming, and if I'm going to have another FTE in the budget, I want that FTE to either be in the district attorney's office or in the sheriff's office or somewhere in our public safety system. Um, we we don't need the, the commissioners. You know, we get paid rather well for what's supposed to be full-time work, although, you know, I know one of our commissioners continues to practice law and sue the federal government in his spare time. Um, you know, we're supposed to be full-time. And, uh, yeah, it's it's tough work. It's more than 40 hours. Yes, it's hard for me to keep up with the email, keep up with the voicemails, keep up with the Facebook messages, everything that you have to keep up with, do the background reading for board meetings and, and stay educated. But I ran for this job. 
I asked people to vote for me to be in this job, I understood what I was getting into. And having a personal assistant wasn't something that I ran on. In fact, it's something I ran against because at the time, the previous board had voted to themselves for half-time personal assistance. At the same time, they were attempting to close jail beds in the jail. You know, like I said, if I'm going to have another FTE, I want that to be in public safety. You know, it does not need to be somebody to help me reply to email that I should be doing myself. I mean, the citizens are paying me a good salary uh, with benefits. Speaking of, we'll talk about the performance audit report on recruitment and attention here in a minute. But really, um, we can we can handle our own job as commissioners. And if you can't, you know, there's five of us there, and you know, dividing up the duties. Well, um, I, I I just don't get it. You know. I seem to be able to handle it when the duties weren't divided very well and I, and I was actually carrying a pretty heavy load of being chair and being on multiple committees representing the board. Um, I, I don't see why we need, you know, personal assistance. I don't see why we need extra staff for the commissioners. Um, we just need to do our jobs. So that's my soapbox for the day. But speaking of benefits and all that that we get paid. I posed the question when I put this up for the the, uh, the show today, and I want to remind folks, I forgot to say this at the beginning, we'll talk about whatever anyone else wants to talk about here because this shows about your controlling the topic. So you can always give us a call at 646-721-9887. And just press one so we know you want to get on the conversation again. That's 646-721-9887. If you're watching Facebook Live, it's on the screen there. Just press one. Let's Robin, my call screener and producer extraordinaire, know you want to get in on the conversation. And uh, we'll talk about whatever you want to talk about. But I'm going to talk a little bit about the performance audit that came out, over 500 pages. It was a tomb, but it's meant to be a tool because it in that 500 pages, um, is information from each um, separate department on, on some of where they lie with um, demographics of their workforce, et cetera. Um, and it, it, if you're one of the county departments, you might only need to look at 40 or 50 pages of that 500 to understand where your department is in um, having your workforce um, reflect the community. Um, and some of those issues. But what was interesting, there was also a survey that was done as part of it. Um, you know, it started out with interviews to get some uh, typical answers to some very open-ended questions, um, which were uh, three questions that the performance auditor asked about 200 uh, plus um, of our employees in personal interviews, uh, and that their, their responses were kept confidential but their responses were also, after they were written down and summarized, were given back to them to make sure that they were accurate. Um, they were asked, what made you want to work for Lane County government? And for what reasons have you continued with Lane County government? And then what might make you, uh, Lane County government might be able to do or offer to further retain your services? So we're trying to get at why do people work at Lane, you know, come to work at Lane County, you know, why'd they make that choice? Why um, they're, they're still there? And then, um, you know, what, what would it take to keep them there? Because, you know, one of the things about being an employer, it's always easier and cheaper to keep an employee on if they're, you know, qualified, productive employee than it is to have to go through the recruitment and training process um, that's, and, and deal with the disruptiveness of empty positions, et cetera, and shifting workloads and the lack of continuity it, and the, product, the lack, the, how that hurts productivity. So you wanna try and keep good people. So understanding those things, well, you got some answers to those, generalize those, worked out a survey where they could um, 
answer each one of those questions kind of just checking boxes. And that survey was put out to the entire workforce of which he got a 64% return rate. Over 900 employees filled out that survey. And the number one response, and people could check multiple items. So, you know, they could check the reason they, you know, wanted to come here was um, they were interested in government service or they really liked the location, you know, whatever they want to check, they could check more than one. But the, the box that got checked the most for why they wanted to come work at the county and um, why they're staying here is benefits. And, you know, first, you know, potential benefits for why they wanted to come here and benefits is why they're staying here. That came in as number one with 73% of those 900 people checking that box and on, on why they started here and 63% checking is why they stay. Now, what I found interesting is what the number two answer was. Number one, yeah, so that, that's kind of, you know, yeah, a lot of people take government jobs for the benefits. And it's one of the reasons why I kind of feel like, you know, with with benefits package we have as commissioners, we don't need to be asking the taxpayers to pay for a personal assistance. Yeah. So, um, so benefits kind of, yeah, yeah, it's kind of obvious. And, you know, what it takes for people to stay here, more focus on benefits actually came in number two, which kind of surprises me. You know, the fact that everybody thought was why they stayed, yet they want more of it. <laughs> number two. But the number two answer for why people actually came to work at Lane County was the position fit, which is really kind of, a, you know, that potentially should be the number one answer. You know, and, if, and it wasn't that far behind. 63% of the people said, you know, the position was what, you know, fit what I wanted. And that, that means they're, you know, right from the get-go, they're engaged in their work because it's what they wanted to do. Um, and what's interesting is the number two answer for why they're still here is they enjoy the work, which, you know, enjoyment of work is, is a measure of engagement, which, you know, if you came here because the job fit, you know, your description, and you know, it's kind of obvious that enjoyment, enjoying your work would go kind of hand in hand. So even though benefits are the big draw, being the job somebody wanted to do and they still enjoy doing that is number two. Yeah, so we have an engaged workforce, which speaks to one of the reasons why we've been successful in some of our efforts um, like our employee wellness and controlling our costs, because if you have an engaged workforce, they're more willing to help the organization be successful as a whole. And I think those things that came in number two um, really measure that. So it's, it's it was an interesting day of talking about that survey. Um, the day before, our Ask Me folks presented a very small survey of only 16 people in our health clinics. Um, that kind of came to a different a different set of conclusions that we need to start, um, you know, emphasizing, um, acknowledging people's work as uh, as a more important reason, which is interesting. In the larger uh, survey, um, they actually uh, said that uh, acknowledgement of work uh, was really only 27% of people said that's what it would take for them to stay. So kind of a, a, you know, the ask me work didn't quite match up to this larger survey. Now the larger surveys, all county employees, so that 27% that marked that could all be in our community health clinics. So, you know, I'm not trying to say that their, their survey was wrong. Um, it was just different for, you know, a very small population in the county. But um, it's always good, you know, to, to look at those things. Um, and one of the things we also looked at in this, this recruitment and retention audit was not just our ability to, to recruit and retain employees, but also how are we doing in the, the diversity side? 
are we recruiting and retaining employees that match our population of Lane County? So when um, you know folks come in to get services, are they seeing people that reflect the community? And we're doing pretty well with that. There's you know a few areas we could use improvement, um, and it and it kind of varies by department somewhat too. Um, but it it's a uh, you know, it's it's good information and it's all on our website now. In fact, there's a couple of dashboards on our website. If you go to Lane County um, and go under, uh, you know, the county government tab, drop down to county departments, go to the performance auditor on his page. There's two dashboards there. Um, one's uh, just pure demographics uh, of who's here, and then the second one does some comparisons. Uh, between census data and Lane County data as to what our demographics look like based on ethnicity, age, and gender. Against the census, you can either compare it to Lane County, uh, the state of Oregon, or the entire U.S. And all that information is readily available now. Uh, was put up there today. Um, and in fact, the entire audit's available there, but it's 500 pages, so it'll take a while to load on a computer uh, unless you got, you know, gig speed or something. Uh, and it's a tomb. That's also available, but the dashboards are pretty easy to navigate and get get a feel for how Lane County's doing because you can also look at all Lane County government. You can look at what our public works department looks like. You can look at what our Health and Human Services Department looks like demographically and how those compare against the census and all that and kind of look to see um, where we have some weak spots and where we don't. Um, but it's all there for people to look at. Uh, and it, it was, a, you know, it's a big piece of work. Uh, and it was, you know, it's now publicly available. Everybody can look at the data, make their own conclusions, um, and uh, it, it'll be interesting going forward um, if, you know, see how this helps us, um, you know, recruit uh, the best people, the most qualified people into Lane County service, as well as uh, retain them so that we can keep those costs down because we're going into budget season and keeping a structurally balanced budget is always a difficult thing. Um, you know, I also sit on the Public Safety Coordinating Council Budget Committee as chair so I'm, I'm looking at a separate budget there and that budget's highly dependent on the legislature's allocations and it's looking like we're going to get an allocation out of the legislature that's, that may require us to make cuts in some of our um, community corrections and um, restorative justice programs that are funded by um, the Community Corrections Act and the Justice Reinvestment Act uh, here in Oregon. And um, at least the initial proposals from the governor's budget and what came out of the co-chairs wasn't looking too good for those budgets. We're hoping they'll come up, but we just don't know how far. And um, that kind of puts pressure because we were, you know, using a, a mishmash of everything together to try and keep our public safety system afloat. We've done, you know, been able to rebuild some programs a little bit with some of these grants. And if that you know, little piece of the puzzle gets um, dwindles a bit. It puts pressure on us trying to make everything else work. That's why I'm kind of I don't want to add an F uh, uh, position to be an assistant to the commissioners when I'm concerned that we may have to cut a, a assistant DA um, from the DA staff because our justice reinvestment funds aren't going to stretch far enough to pay for the, you know, the pay for that staff that was paid for out of justice reinvestment prior. So we may have to make some shifting where the general funds may have to pick up some more of the DA staff because we're having this reduction in these uh, community correction and justice reinvestment funds. And, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm leery of adding staff in a place where it does not benefit public safety. So um, it'll be an interesting discussion. It all starts tomorrow at 5.30 with the reading and the budget message by the uh, budget 
officer, Steve Mokrahyski, our county administrator. Uh, tomorrow's highlighted tomorrow's uh, meeting is going to be the budget hearing at seven o'clock. Um, hope to, to hear from the public somewhat. Yeah, it's been a little bit scary the last couple of years because we haven't proposed any cuts and we've kind of had a maintaining our budget um, in a structurally balanced way. The public hasn't come. I remember, you know, back in 11 and 12 and 13, where those hearings would be um, all sorts of people coming in and saying, please don't cut this program or please don't cut that program. And, and can you add back the cut that's being proposed in this program? And because um, we were in that, you know, right after the recession and all, we were in a huge uh, cut mode. In fact, my first year on the Board of Commissioners, we made a 20% cut in our budget, real dollar cut from the prior year. And uh, that'll generate a lot of public comment. But, you know, it's kind of scary when you get absolutely no public showing up and we're passing a, you know, last year it was close to $680 million all funds budget. This year is going to be the first budget we're going to adopt that's going to be over $700 million. Now, that's government accounting $700 million, which means our reserve fund to close the landfill that carries over from one budget cycle to the next counts as part of that $700 million, which, you know, you know, that's $100 million in all these different reserve funds for various reasons that we can't really use for anything else that's not spendable money really. Um, we're required to maintain um, that closure fund for the landfill, you know, as a matter of law um, by EPA and, and DEQ. So we can't take that money and use it for public safety. It, it's been set aside out of the rates that are paid by the um, folks that are getting rid of their trash <laughs> so that you know, we can close that landfill. We can't take that money and, and spend it on sheriff deputies. So um, 700 million may sound like a lot of money, but there's all sorts of places. Like I can't, you know, a lot of that money is in our federally qualified health clinics where it's the Medicaid reimbursement for services rendered. So our doctors perform a service and bill for it through Medicaid, we get reimbursed you know, that money can't be diverted for some other use. Um, sounds like a lot of money. When it comes really right down to it, our discretionary general funds around $70 million, only about a tenth of that. Uh, road fund is another place we have some discretion. It has to be spent on, on roads, but at least we can decide how it gets spent on the roads. <laughs> it's a little bit more flexible. Um, you know, we have some places in, you know, our parks budget, we can, you know, but, you know that's, you know, more dedicated funds for parks can't really be transferred around. It's, you know, it's always interesting how tied your hands are doing government budgeting sometimes. All money seems to be coming with strings from other sources. I, I, and so much of it now is coming by grant instead of uh, direct funding, like um, the Community Corrections Act that we get from the state um, is allocated for a biennium those two years and we don't you know we have to turn in a plan to show how we're spending our allocation and they can take it away from us if we're misusing it it has to be spent on community corrections um, but we don't have to apply for a grant there's a lot of funding that happens uh, for our programs where we actually had to apply for a grant to the federal government or to the state of oregon for a specific purpose and that that grant money you know is kind of like one-time money and we don't know if we'll get the grant the next time so it makes it really difficult to uh, hire positions that are that are grant funded and knowing whether that's going to be sustainable in our budget over the years um, government financing has gotten really strange with the whole idea that we're instead of being allocated um, funds for a program, we have to apply for a grant. And then we don't know if we'll be successful in keeping that grant going or if that grant program will even be there um, a year from now, two years from now, three years from now. So, uh, but I complain about my job. I'm sure everybody has their own complaints about their jobs. 
give us a call here at 646-721-9887 on the Bose Nose Show. If you want to talk about something other than the budget, performance audits, I've got a few other things on my mind, and I still haven't gotten to what were they thinking yet this week. Um, and, uh, yep, there's the logo, and we'll get to that in a minute. I just one more time, the number is 646-721-9887. Just press 1 to get in on the Bose Nose Show. It is um, interesting, you know, that I had my what were they thinking is going to the Oregon legislature. And I'm giving it to them for their overall work of this session to date, because it is the most confusing craziness I think I've seen, you know, in all the years I've been tracking the legislature. The, the cognitive dissonance it takes to have a proposal being bantied about to lower the voting age to 16 because you know, those kid, you know, the decisions, you know, that, that, that elected officials are making might affect those kids and they should have a say. Yet there's also a bill, Senate bill 1008 or 1008 as they sometimes get referred to that would take away the ability for uh, lengthy sentences for juveniles that commit adults style crimes when they're 16 and 17 years old because they're not responsible at that age. <laughs> what are they thinking there in Salem? We're going to give juveniles voting rights and we're going to say they're not responsible for the, their criminal actions. You know, it just, it, it, it just, I can't, I, I can't understand it. You know, it, it, it's, it's, you know, no different than, you know, the same people that, you know, are really concerned about making sure there's still a uh, choice in women's health, as they like to refer to it, are willing to take away choice in child's health from parents when it comes to vaccinations. I'm not an anti-vaxxer. You know, I, I truly believe that there's more benefit than risk in vaccines and it's really important for the public health, but I am loath to take away people's freedoms and parental control of their children and their children's health by mandating vaccinations. So, it, it, you know, on one hand, it's like we're all for freedoms here, but we're not for freedom there. You know, <laughs> we want children have responsibility here, but we're saying they're not responsible over there. You know, we want, you know, Oregon to have, you know, a, a successful private sector. And we like the fact that, that it's growing and all that stuff, yet we're proposing a $2 billion tax on Oregon's private sector. <laughs> you know, it, it just, it, it you know, it, it's kind of like, how can you compartmentalize to that degree to, to propose, you know, a bill that would lower the, the voting age, or at least a referral out to the voters to change our constitution. At the same time, you're, you're working on a bill that would remove responsibility for, you know, crimes of rape and murder for 16 and 17 year olds. You know, if you're going to do one, don't do the other. You know, either their, you know, their brain hasn't developed and they're not responsible, then they shouldn't be voting. And if you think they're responsible enough to vote, then they're responsible enough to take the consequences when they murder people or when they rape people. You know, it just, it's one or the other. Can't have both. So what were they thinking up there in Salem for the last, several months since they convened this session of the 2019 Oregon legislature um, just makes me scratch my head. <laughs> As in, what were they thinking? <laughs> so that's my what were they thinking. If you ever have a what were they thinking, you can always email it to us here at talk at krbnradio.net. 
or message us on Facebook on our uh, KRBN Internet Radio News News Talk Radio. Sorry, KRBN Internet News Talk Radio <laughs> Facebook page, uh, and let us know what you would like to give us. A, a, you know, what who we should be awarding the What Were They Thinking Award for the week? Because um, uh, it just amazes me sometimes. What you know? What are they thinking? You know, kind of like the people that were driving in the high water a few weeks ago. Um, this kind of makes me wonder, you know, what this legislature is thinking at times, you know, and it kind of gets to that whole thing of, uh, you know, I really am concerned if everything that's being proposed in this legislature right now that will impact business goes through, whether or not small businesses can survive in Oregon in the next couple of years. I mean, they're proposing uh, the, 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 the tax and spend uh, carbon initiative here uh, coming up that's going to probably raise energy costs for all businesses, which is going to raise the cost of everything for everyone, including small businesses. The uh, minimum wage will be in Lane County here will be $11.25 as of July 1st and will continue to go up uh, every every year here um you know so minimum wage is rising there's a proposal for paid family leave which is going to tax small businesses as well as employees to, to fund that um you know the the so we've got your energy cost going up your employee cost going up a new tax that's going to go on you this is on top of the um you know other taxes that have been been increased they're talking about taking away the mortgage interest deduction for folks. They're talking about this um, gross receipts tax or um, business activities tax. I don't know what exactly they're calling it now. Commercial activities tax, CAT, I think is the new term. Um, and right now it's for over a million dollars in sales, but you know it doesn't take much to hit a million dollars in sales in Oregon. Um, my wife's little business is, is uh, between five and six hundred thousand annual sales, so she's not there yet. But um, it doesn't take much, and uh, it's going to be going to be tough for small businesses. And it kind of makes me wonder, you know, if you're a business and you're a business that can be mobile, why would you stay in Oregon? You know, with all this going on, why doesn't Boise, Idaho, suddenly look really inviting? to move your business to, or Nevada, or some other, you know, um, more tax-friendly and regulation-friendly environment. Um, I'm concerned, you know, we've got a pretty good economy in Oregon right now, um, being kind of driven somewhat by the people that are leaving California because of what they've done over the last several years to their business economy. you know, that we're going to replicate California here soon and uh, we'll see a, a mass exodus of businesses to other states, which is going to really um, impact, you know, Lane County's ability to balance our budget. Because, you know, if, if business is leaving, that means there's not going to be that much of a tax base around and, and it, it's going to eventually cause problems for um Lane County in general. So I just uh, I was wondering. Uh, sorry, something's buzzing on me, and I was I'm I'm look quickly looking because my wife is in the middle of flying back from the East Coast. Want to make sure it wasn't her uh, having a flight problem. Um, but it was just a a RG notification about the uh, human remains that were found down near Cottage Grove. No no news though still investigating so no no uh, connection to anybody but uh i see that uh robin in her usual quickness has managed to put up a little graphic of a moving van <laughs> as i was talking about the business environment here in oregon possibly changing i'm just hoping that the legislature will kind of at least temper themselves and not go after everything they propose still amazes me um that they're, you know, proposing this two billion dollar tax supposedly to help schools. Almost all of that will get eaten up in PERS uh, 
rate increases by school districts. It's all it's just going to hold them uh, harmless from PERS rate increases. It's not going to increase their ability to provide education. Um, at the same time, they're not dealing with any significant PERS reform legislation in this session. Haven't heard one proposal that'll make a, a, any big difference in the unfunded liability, future unfunded liability that is our PERS system. There's lots of things that could be done. I've talked about them here on the Bose No Show before, but none of them are actively being proposed with the exception, and this is another thing that's gonna hurt the business environment here in Oregon, the governor's proposed rating the um, employees uh, workman's compensation fund known as SAFE here in Oregon to transfer that money into PERS to try and make up for some of education side of their PERS liability. Now, mind you, the, the state government has allowed school districts to underfund PERS grossly over the years. Lane County's managed to keep our, our liability funded somewhere between 85 to 95% funded. Uh, we were up over 90 for quite a long time. I think we're still there now. We dropped back into the 80s for a little while. Most school districts are under 80% funded. So they've been underfunding their PERS contributions, yet they're spending that money on current operational costs, which means they've been technically deficit spending because they're spending money that should have been going into the PERS system to cover their liabilities. And now the governor wants to raid one of the true successes in Oregon, which is safe. You know, the workman's comp was, was in crisis in Oregon until that system was invented. Wants to raid that fund and bail out school districts that have been deficit spending. Not help out any other local governments with that. She was gonna take that raid and specifically give it to school districts and pass up helping people like Lane County that have been the responsible ones. And we've been funding as much as we can our unfunded liability. So just, you know, back to that reason why the, the, the legislature is getting that, what were they thinking? $2 billion in taxes, absolutely no PERS reform. And what little has been proposed by the governor is a raid on a system that is a success story. And that system success story is one reason why businesses stayed in Oregon. So if they're gonna you know, make that, that workman's comp system unbalanced, raid that fund, which may lead to workman comp rates going up again, which was the crisis that we were faced with, workman's compensation insurance was going nuts here in the state before that system was formed. You know, that's just gonna be one more little tipping thing. You know, the minimum wage increase, you know, if they raise workman compensation rates, they decide they're going to pass this, you know, paid family leave and the taxes that come with that. The cap and trade bill passes and energy costs start increasing. You know, all these little increases, when, when as a business does it push you past the tipping point to where either you shut down or relocate outside of Oregon? You know, if you're the entrepreneur or the one that's signing the front side of paychecks, when do you call it quits? You know, so I just, it really concerns me um, that there seems to be this disconnect. At the same time, you know, we are such an income tax dependent state at the state level for their their general fund uh which is where they fund education, they would understand that punishing business in the way they're, they're potentially trying to do is gonna ultimately you know, spiral. You know, the, the businesses are gonna leave Oregon, um, they won't get as much tax, so they're gonna have to raise more taxes, they'll force more businesses out of Oregon. And you know, when does that, that downward spiral just start happening? You know, we're, it hasn't happened yet, uh, we're we're doing okay, um, you know. We're we're finally in Lane County, back up 
to employment levels that were before the recession hit, um, but definitely uh, having some problems here uh, with uh, our ability to recover from the recession in some rural areas. There's parts of the state that still haven't gotten back to employment levels pre-2008. You know, that's that disconnect, that rural-urban divide in, in Oregon. It seems to be a huge disconnect in this, in this state where Portland seems to do just fine. And Portland's the one that seems to be able to vote in all these, these anti-business measures, yet rural Oregon's paying the price. And, and eventually, that will make Portland pay the price because when rural Oregon does fail, it's going to take Portland with it. So, Jay Bozovich on the Bozno's show here, back on my soapbox again. You can kind of understand why I've gotten to my I just want to drink wine, pet my poodle, and take naps <laughs> um, attitude this week. Even though it's only Wednesday, I wish it was Friday. I've got a full day planned tomorrow in Salem and in budget committee. I'm heading up first thing in the morning. Speaking of community corrections and justice reinvestment grant um, uh, budgets, tomorrow is justice reinvestment day on the, at the Capitol. So a bunch of us that are involved in the public safety um, aspects, which is kind of my specialty as a board member. I'm uh, also the uh, co-chair of the public safety committee for the Association of Oregon Counties. I also sit on the uh, um, Criminal Justice Commission's uh, Grant Awards Review Committee um, for the governor. That's the governor's appointment as on the part of the counties. Uh, I represent all the counties on that on that committee. Um, so I'm kind of the the public safety guru for Lane County, and I'm going up there to lobby for um, increasing those budgets on the state's part because that's really you know, a penny-wise, pound-foolish area to cut. Um, that's where we're taking people and getting them not to be criminals in the future uh, and helping them get their lives back together, dealing with addictions, dealing with um, thought patterns and moral systems and all that that, um, you know, they need to correct and, and intervening with those folks in the community correction setting in that in those in those restorative justice programs to where they don't end up in state prison. They don't end up in our jail. They don't end up in our emergency rooms. They don't end up putting people in the emergency rooms. Uh, you know, it's an overall huge future cost savings to keep those programs going. And um, really a place we could stand continuing that investment because it's preventing us from having to build new prisons in this state right now. We managed to stem the tide of the growth of our prison population in the state with those programs. And we've shown clearly through um, statistical data that's been gathered um, through uh, scientific method that we are reducing the crime rates uh, for those folks that are in those programs compared to the folks that aren't. So cutting back on those programs means there's gonna be less people in them and more people that aren't, which means those folks are gonna be committing more crime which is the general cost on society. So I'll be up in Salem almost all day tomorrow. I'm going to leave Salem in time to get down to Lane County for our 530 budget committee meeting. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then we uh, will be marching into our public hearing then. And uh, just kind of a busy time. I want to touch on one thing because it's been a couple weeks and I can't remember if I touched on this before, but um, had a meeting back on, uh, April 17th, which uh, trying to remember if that's, uh, I think that was after the last Bo's Nose show because it was an evening meeting. And we met with the Oregon Country Fair and uh, Sheriff's Office, Public Works folks, City of Anita folks, and all of the offsite campground folks um, around the Oregon Country Fair out here in Elmira. And we had that meeting to kind of talk about 
some of the issues neighbors and the community have complained about the fair uh, that happened last year and the last couple of years. And trying to, knowing that we have the 50th anniversary coming up of this wonderful event, and I really like the country fair. I know some of my um, friends don't necessarily like it that much. You know, it, it's a pretty amazing event. Um, and the on-site is so well handled and so well organized that sometimes outside of their, their perimeter it gets a little crazy, particularly when traffic things happen um, around it. Uh, last year, there just happened to be a power failure <laughs> for the traffic lights during, you know, move, you know, one day, which caused a huge traffic issue in the area when there was all that heavy traffic to start with and then no traffic signal at, at uh, uh, Highway 126 and Territorial. You know, they, they don't control that. Uh, but we talked about how could we make traffic work better? Um, how can we deal with maybe some of the late night noise better? And, uh, you know, hopefully trying to work on some of the cell phone service issues for Verizon um, uh, this year. It was a good meeting. It was collaborative. Everybody was there to try and make things better. And that's what I wanted to report back out to folks that might be listening from here in the Veneta area folks that are fans of the country fair. Um, I think this is gonna be a, a, a great fair this year uh, on the 50th anniversary. It's amazing that thing's been around for 50 years and um, they've got some great acts planned this year. And hopefully it'll be less impactful being a bigger event this year and, and a big celebration to the neighbors because folks got together beforehand and we're, we're going to try and make sure people adhere to our noise ordinance and things quiet down at 11 o'clock at night. This time um, we're maybe doing some experimentation on how we handle traffic on move-in day for the campsites and the fair and try and divide the traffic from the fair from the campsite move-in traffic and route those better. Um, so that's kind of uh, it was it was a good meeting. Just wanted to report back to folks that that um, I think we'll we'll see some improvements this year, and uh, you know hopefully uh, people will notice, and and we'll we'll find out after the fair because I know for sure my phone and my email and everything else go, goes crazy right after fair, <laughs> even during fair even too. So hopefully that will all improve and. Uh, just wanted to let people know about that and uh, just one of those one little thing that was going on in Lane County um, in the last couple weeks uh, just so much that we cover uh, here on the county you know from land use to um, you know roads and traffic and everything else the public safety it all kind of got tied into that fair meeting as the, you know, we had folks from our land management division to talk about land use issues and the permit issues around um, the campsites and, and various um, what they can and can't do on a camp you know, at, at the campgrounds. Um, uh, we had folks from our uh, public works roads department and our traffic engineers to talk about you know best ways to, to work with the traffic. We had folks from the sheriff's office to talk about public safety issues around that. Um, and, you know, so it's just, you know, all those things get wrapped into, you know, an event like the country fair. So it'd be interesting um, to see how that all goes. And even, you know, we talked yesterday a little bit about um, the upcoming uh, track events over the next couple of years in 2020 and 2021 with the uh, Olympic trials and then the uh, worlds uh, coming to Hayward Field, uh, the redone Hayward Field when it gets completed. Um, so that'll be a, another, you know, all hands, all parts of the county uh, involvement. Hey, I'm starting to hear music. So that must mean we're pretty much out of time here. Didn't even get to bring Robin in today. I talked so much. <laughs> Sorry about that, Robin. <laughs> Well, thank you for listening to another edition of the Bose No Show. I hope you learned something uh, educational in some way. Don't forget, you can always get a hold of us in between shows at talk at krbnradio.net by email or on Facebook at our KRBN Internet News Talk Radio page. 
Have a great week this week, and we'll be back next week with another edition of the Bo's Nose Show coming to you live from beautiful downtown Elmira. Thank you for listening.